0: podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I am Bryce. I'm Brianna.
1: I'm Amanda. And
0: welcome back. Round two. Let's go. Numero dos. <laughs> How are you guys?
2: I'm pretty good. I uh, made an impulse buy this past week. Because I finished my Legend of Zelda game, Breath of the Wild, and so I got the extended version to it. And that's. I am not a huge fan of adventure type games. Like, I'm not one to play it. When I was. When I had my Wii, all I would have was just Super Mario Bros. and just kind of Mario Kart and generic games, I guess. But my. I I honestly love this game. One of my friends recommended it to me, and I've played it all the way through twice, and have literally I I love it. I literally got it last month, and I just said literally three times in that sentence. But <laughs> what about y'all? How are y'all doing?
0: Well, you were talking about the the adventure thing, the adventure game, and. In Utah, we have a place called Evermore. I have not been yet. I want to go. But it's like you go on quests when you're in this park or whatever. And it's like $15 to get in.
2: Sounds super cool.
0: It really does sound really cool. Cody to go with. They're only open on weekends.
2: Okay, cool. Free advertisement for five viewers.
0: Let's go. the five that we can't have forced to listen
1: to us. (laughs) (laughs) whatever they like it they came back
0: yeah i think we're up to six because i made my childhood best friend listen i was like oh yeah (laughs) here listen to this
2: nice (laughs) i am honestly not friends with my childhood best friend because we went to like the same middle school and high school or whatever and uh we were in like different cliques that like didn't really like each other
0: well me and this friend How we became friends, because we went to elementary school together for a long, long time before we actually started talking. I don't think we started talking until we were in middle school. And the reason we started talking was because my older brother was dating her older sister. (laughs) They broke up and we continued talking and here we are. Mm I guess I can thank my brother for that friendship, even though (laughs) it doesn't sound like fun. How have you been, Amanda?
1: I also bought a video game today from Nintendo on my Switch. And I've played it for like, oh my god, three or four hours. What game? What is it? I'm curious. It used to be um, Harvest Moon. But apparently like a couple years back or something, they split from somebody that was helping them make Harvest Moon. So now it's called Story of Seasons. But it's the exact, I mean, mainly the exact same game. And I've loved these freaking games since I was a kid. So I bought that today and I've just had my eyes glued to my Switch. I
0: don't have a Switch. (laughs) You
1: should totally get one. They're so
2: worth it.
0: Mm-hmm. I've got I'll other things I
2: have to buy you a cheap game for it that has good been- reviews.
0: I have other things I have to save up for, like IVF So mm-hmm. we'll put our money where the priority is right now.
1: <laughs> Unfortunate.
0: I did not buy anything fun other than beer this weekend.
1: Well, that's fun and I can't have it, so I approve immediately. Well, I'm sorry, you're gonna water. have to
0: watch me drink it while we record. And I don't feel bad.
1: I'll try not to drool.
0: It's just cheerleader beer. It's nothing special.
2: What is cheerleader beer? Is that just like (laughs) slang? It's
0: (laughs) like, that's the most slang I have for you. It's like, um, just like the fruity beers, like Smirnoff or Mike's, like the hard lemonade type stuff.
2: Oh, I, I love cheerleader beer. Cheerleader beer. That's like the only beer that I drink. I hate <laughs> beer in general. I
1: thought I would kill for a yingling right now. For a what? A yingling. I don't know what that is. It's a They're beer. Like you a might not have them, actually. A malt type beer, right? No, not um, malt. It's an amber. An amber um, beer. So it's like a darker oh. beer, but it's not like a Guinness dark beer. I'm Googling it. Hold on.
0: Um, but it doesn't look fruity, and I don't drink beer if it's not fruity.
1: Oh, no, yeah. it is not fruity. <laughs> <Mm-mm>. Oh, okay. <laughs> not that's at not, all. Girl, you're a Not tomboy. my aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything else you guys want to report? I don't think so. I feel yeah. like there
0: was something I was going to tell you guys, and I don't remember.
1: Hey,
2: you know, if it comes up, tell us in the middle of my story. Well, please don't interrupt me, but... It was maybe. like,
0: shush, Bree. it's my <laughs> turn to tell you what just came to my mind. Um, I don't feel like anything exciting happened this week, so I don't know what it was. We'll move on. Okay. I'll text you guys when I remember it. All right. So Bree is going to kick us off
1: with our true crime this week.
0: Yeah.
1: Hey, all okay, yours. So I put some
2: photos into the Google Drive, and please don't look at any of them but the first one for now. And then we'll kind of go through from there. We'll go through. Don't tell me
0: there. how to live my life.
2: I'll tell you whatever I want to tell you. It's my story.
1: <laughs> okay, the first one. Oh my God, they look so fun.
2: Yeah. Okay, so the McStay family vanished from their home on February 4th, 2010, in Fallbrook, California, about 106 miles southeast of Los Angeles. Joseph McStay was 40 years old owned and operated a company that built decorative fountains called Earth Inspired Products, which was a newly successful business that gave him more time to work from home and spend time with his family. His wife, Summer McStay, was 43 and a licensed real estate agent, and their sons, Gianni, age four, and Joseph Jr., age three.
0: I just want to say that their sons are So stinking cute. He's got Mm -hmm. juice stains all over his face and I love it.
1: (laughs) They all just look so happy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This was, this picture was actually all over the media when they went missing, just to kind of accurately represent the family and kind of get some sympathy from the public. They had just recently moved into a new house, and sources say they were trying to turn it into their dream home. On February 9th, no word from the McStay family, a business associate of Joseph ventured to his house to check if everything was alright. The dogs seemed to be outside with food in their bowls, so everyone just thought the family went on a vacation. On February 13th, Joseph's brother was a little skeptical, so he went over to check if everything was all right and found no big signs of a break-in except for a window slightly opened. Just for the record, he did go into the house to check to see if everything was all right. He didn't find anything unusual in the home except that his brother and family were not there, so he left a note for the person feeding the dogs to call him because he was really concerned. He gets a call later that night from Animal Control saying that the dogs had been left outside for over a week without food or water and someone from Animal Control saw this and gave them food and water. Later Joseph called the police and reported them missing because this was not like Summer and Joseph to just leave their dogs without food and water outside. On February 14th to 15th, 2019, police investigated the McStay family home and The reason I say fourteenth to fifteenth is because different sources kind of said different dates when exactly this happened, but it was either the fourteenth or the fifteenth. What year is this again? Two thousand ten. They thought it alarming that there was no furniture and with a home not very well put together, but they had just moved into this home and they were in the middle of an ongoing renovation to make it their dream home. So it was probably blank, you might say. But because of this, there was really no way to tell if there was a struggle in the home. There was raw food left out. When I think of raw food being left out, I personally think of dethawing a chicken that I plan to cook later for dinner at home. This is kind of what it looks like to the police as well. Tony Shin, a reporter on this case said, the house was as if somebody just beams them up to the Starship Enterprise. There was nothing that the police could use for evidence, for anything. Just as Joseph's brother concluded, the police found no signs of foul play or forced entry in the home, and there was no evidence to determine where the fam- family went or why they'd leave.
0: So do we know if their car was with them, or if their car was still at their house, or if they even had a car? Their car was
2: gone. February 4, 2010 was the last day anyone had ever heard from the family. That day, Joseph attended regular work meetings and cell phone records show that he drove from his house after work to his home and continued making calls into the night. Finally, police found a neighbor security camera that caught the McStay's family car leaving their home on the evening of February 4th. And here's where it gets a little interesting. Investigators also discovered the same car was towed on February 8th for a parking violation near the Mexican border, which is really only about 62 miles from the house they just moved to in Fallbrook. So immediately investigators seized the car and they, again, found no signs of foul play. The seats were adjusted to Summer and Joseph's sizes and toys were in the back for the kids to play with There was just nothing out of the ordinary. In addition to this straight-up bizarre situation, security cameras from the parking lot where the car was towed show that the car arrived there on the afternoon of February 8th, which leaves four days, which the mixed days are unaccounted for. And this struck me as really odd because 62 miles really isn't that far away when you think about it. I could drive that in literally about an hour
1: yeah that's almost what i drive to work every day
2: that's crazy you drive 60 miles to work
1: i drive uh like round trip yeah i drive like 40 to 45 something like that couldn't do that Mm. (laughs) that's a long way
0: uh -uh. i'm like i am 10 to 15 minutes away (laughs) from work and i will never be any further or else i might throw a fit
1: It gives me enough time to finish my coffee in the morning and be partially awake by the time I get there.
0: In my defense, where I grew up was like way out of the way. So it felt like I don't I've never actually timed it, but it felt like the nearest gas station was 20 minutes away. I think that my need to be close to work is because I don't like driving that far, especially since going to school was half an hour to 45 minutes on a good day. So, when it snowed here, it was like an hour, hour and a half, and I was always pissed. I was like, God damn it. Clear
2: the roads. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, investigators found that neither of the family's cars traveled to Mexico in years. And Summer McStay told friends that she would never travel to Mexico willingly because she believed that it was unsafe and unfit for her family and for her children. So investigators concluded that the McStays did not drive to Mexico during the unaccounted for four days.
0: Do we know why she felt like that was unsafe?
2: Not really. I couldn't really get into much detail about that. I think that I don't know, she just had kind of a personal opinion about it. I know that she had traveled there in her life, I just don't know why she felt it was unsafe. Border surveillance footage changed this investigation and flipped it on its head. So y'all can go ahead and scroll over to the next picture. Investigators found four people with very similar characteristics as the mixed days walking across the border at approximately 7 p.m. on February 8th, less than two hours after parking the car in the nearby parking lot. When showing this footage to family members of the mixed days, there were mixed reactions. They recognized the children and Summer as mixed days but joseph's mother believed that the man in the footage was not joseph because his hair if it were joseph his hair would have been bushier and many of the other family members also believed that the man in the photo was not joseph but otherwise the family looked identical to the mixed days They were dressed similarly, and the children wore hats similar to the ones that they had been photographed in previously. However, investigators concluded that this was, in fact, the mixed days by analyzing at-home pictures and videos. I'm curious what y'all think. Based on the first and the second photo, that's really all I could get from the security camera footage. That's the only thing that was really online, and I know that it's not... I mean, it's not a great photo whatsoever, but
0: what if you don't Here's Here's my thing is from what we're seeing, this picture that you're giving us, there's nothing. Like, I wouldn't know if that was them or not. But that doesn't mean that there's more photos or videos that the police have been able to analyze to conclude that that's them. So that's hard to say yes or no. I mean, from what I can see... Yeah, from what I can see right here, I I would say I have no idea it could be or it could not be.
1: I do agree that... What's the man's name? Joseph? hmm Yeah, Joseph McStay. If that was him, like his... Where's the rest of his hair? He could have also does, shaved it off.
0: Have, yeah, easily. If they're trying to avoid detection or something's happened, he could have easily shaved it off. So I feel like the whole... Hair argument, it would have been bushier. There's too many theories about how that could have changed. And the easiest one is if he doesn't, he shaved it off or he trimmed yeah. it down or whatever.
1: The only other thing I was going to say, Bryce already said, like maybe they saw some footage that we're not able to see. And that's why they think this, but.
2: That's kind of the thing that was going around the internet at the time, the media, the news whatever you want to call it. That's kind of what was going around the news at that time. And because every single news source was saying, hey, this is the mixed days, everyone believed it. No one even questioned it. But I agree, it looks literally nothing like them. But as Bryce said, the police most likely had, or investigators most likely had, a lot better a picture or video footage than just this distant photo of a man a woman and holding two children's hands
0: if you ask me it looks like the person in the front is carrying something it almost looks like they're carrying it could be like another child or maybe that's just to me that person in the front looks like they're holding something
1: yeah it doesn't really look like the 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 person and the child in front and the person and child in back. There's like a pretty large gap there. Like, I'm not even for sure that they're part of the same group, if that makes sense. Like, if they're together and they're a family, that's a pretty large gap in between them, in my opinion.
0: But they also have small kids and their kid could have gotten away and they had to go wrangle up, up and are just speed walking to catch back up.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: I mean, I can see that it is a large gap. It could, If this is how they walked the entire time, it certainly might not be the same family. But again, we don't know what investigators have that they have mm-hmm. withheld. So,
2: after concluding that the family in the footage was the mixed days, investigators believed they walked across the Mexican border willingly because there was no indication of distress in the border surveillance footage. When investigators checked the McStay's passports, they realized that they had not been used before or after the disappearance and Summer McStay's passport even expired, but there was no indication that she renewed it. The kids also did not have any passports, so it would have been practically impossible for the mixed days to travel to Mexico without the proper documentation. Investigators found out, however, that Summer changed her name multiple times throughout her life, but it doesn't really indicate foul play. There have been some theories at this point that Summer was responsible for the mixed days' disappearance due to this prior information that she had changed her names and these theories include that she was a sociopath who lied about her age and lied to her family that they must leave different theorists have different reasons why she convinced her family to drop everything and go to mexico and though it's possible that summer was using a different name there are no records of passports under any of her other names and so the entire case just left investigators and loved ones clueless. Nobody is it, knew.
0: Yeah. Is it possible that they were in witness protection at that point? I mean, I feel like if they saw something and they're walking across the border willingly and maybe they're using um, different names, I would think possibly witness protection of some sort.
2: Actually, my next sentence is in April of 2013, the... San Diego Sheriff's Department turns the case over to the FBI, which was more equipped to investigate cases that involve different countries. It could have been, but you'll yeah. You'll
1: you'll get it later.
2: <laughs> However, you can go over to the next picture. On November 11, 2013, the remains of two adults and two children were recovered in the California desert. Two days after they were recovered, the remains were identified as Joseph, Summer, Gianni, and Joseph Jr. McStay, and their deaths were ruled a homicide.
0: So this is where they were found?
2: Yes. If you look at this next picture, I have just a Google Earth picture of where the remains were found, but according to the GPS DMS or degrees, minutes, seconds calculation on that photo, the remains were found straight north of their hometown, right outside of Victorville, California, which is in the complete opposite direction as Mexico, because obviously Mexico is south. Sounded like I whispered that.
1: It's, it's south. It's, hey guys, it's south.
2: It's south. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The case went cold again until investigators uncovered a disturbing clue. Y'all can go ahead and go to the next photo. His name was Charles, but he went by Chase, so I'll use those names interchangeably. Merritt and McStay were close business partners, and Shin reports that Merritt did the welding, creating some of the metalwork, the fountains, and Joseph was the businessman behind it all, and from all accounts, he was flourishing. Publicly, the guy claimed to be best friends with Joseph, telling CNN that they began as work acquaintances and quickly became best friends. It said that they shared dinner a few nights a week and they played paintball together.
1: This one happened to be the man that checked on the house when they didn't show up, right was would it? Well no,
0: that was their brother, wasn't it? No, there
2: was there was a man on February 9th who did check the house and then on February 13th the brother did. But To be honest, I really could not find the name of the person who checked on the house. It just said a business associate, so I'm guessing it was not him. In an interview just two weeks after the McStay's appearance, Merritt was reported to have spoken about them in past tense, and when investigators questioned this, he just said, no idea why. And San Bernardino County District Attorney Britt Imes. That's where the bodies were found and therefore where the whole investigation began. Merritt's attorney tells American Greed he seemed caught off guard, like, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that, which could have just been to make him seem innocent to the public or he really just didn't realize. We never really know. I don't know about you but I feel like if my friend were to be gone for two weeks i'd i know this sounds bad but i'd assume that they were dead i've heard so many times on cop shows that after 48 hours the chance of that person being found alive gets slimmer and slimmer and when you think about it this is 14 days after the next missing. maybe he just assumes that they were dead
0: I can agree with that. I feel like if someone I knew were missing for 14 days, I'd probably just be hoping to have at least their... I mean, obviously, the real hope is that they're going to come home safe. But the realistic or the the reality of it is the likelihood of them coming home safe is so slim.
1: See, if it's a whole family, though, I don't know if I would be so quick to be like, oh, they're dead. I think I would be more apt to be like, they just... All left. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I think that it's just very, like, up in the air at this point. Because, I mean, it is an entire family and you really have no idea what's going on. And at this point, it's been three years, roughly about three years since the mixed days have gone missing. And nobody knows where they are. Nobody. We know how...
0: Close with their parents and family, they were like, were they a pretty tight knit family in laws and that type of stuff? You know, I would imagine so. If their brother came and checked on them,
2: yeah. So I know that their brother lived pretty close to where they moved into their dream home or what they were going to make as their dream home, but I don't really know how close they were with their other, like, the other people in their family.
0: It just makes me feel like they're pretty close to their family. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that they would just take off with their whole family and not say anything to anyone, I don't just, feel like I'd, awesome. yeah, I. Yeah, I just I don't feel like I'd be like, well, the whole family just left. Like what you're saying, Amanda. I just this is me countering you. Uh, I still <laughs> feel like I'd be like, well, it's weird. It it from the information I know is it seems weird because. If they are close enough with their family and their family saying, no, this is really weird, I still would think that there's something afoot. There's there's less chance of recovering them alive
1: after two weeks. This one's got me. It's kind of weird. On
2: November 5th, 2014, Chase Merritt was arrested and charged with four counts of murder after his DNA was found inside the McStay vehicle. According to True Crime Buzz, Merritt actually met with McStay, Joseph McStay, for lunch at a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Ranchero Cucamongo for a business meeting, and he said, we, quote, had to go over all kinds of money stuff, end quote. He was also reported to have said that he was definitely the last person to have seen Joseph McStay alive. Which strikes me as odd. And it did the investigators too, because how could you have known that you were the last person to see them alive? Four years after four and a half years after the McStays had gone missing, it has already been ruled as a homicide. So obviously the person who killed him was the last person to have seen them alive.
1: Yeah. The fact that he said he was definitely the last person to see him alive. Like that's, Why would you say that, sir, to the police officers?
2: Yeah, I thought that too. But picturing myself in this situation and not really knowing when they might have died, I could have possibly said this in kind of a different situation. Maybe like I was definitely the last person they knew to see them alive. And maybe he kind of meant it as that. I don't know. I'm kind of just playing devil's advocate I guess
0: but I still also feel like if you were the last person to see someone alive you're hoping that you're not in the sense of you obviously want them to be alive but I feel like if I were the last person to see someone alive I'd be like well this is the day and time I saw them someone had to have seen them after me like I would never say I, I was definitely the last one to see them alive
1: yeah, because there's always like maybe they got gas on the way home, and they you know, somebody saw them there, like the the definitely to me is just like,
2: uh, yeah mm-hmm. it it is it is very odd that he said multiple sources said that literally italicized the world, the word definitely, so he definitely said definitely.
1: <laughs>
0: I definitely feel like he's definitely got something definitely going on.
1: Definitely, probably, defiantly guilty.
0: Definitely.
2: Prosecutors claims that the McStays were murdered for, by Chase for financial gain to fuel his gambling addiction. He was documented writing checks totaling somewhere between $15,000 and $21,000. Different sites say different amounts on Joseph's business account after he went missing on February 4th, 2010. According to True Crime Buzz, in Joseph's QuickBook account, investigators discovered a series of checks made out to Merritt or other vendors that Merritt owed money to that were dated February 4th, but the metadata stored within the computer revealed that checks had been written several days after the family disappeared, and backdated to make it appear as though they'd been issued before the family had vanished, and that a QuickBooks customer service representative remembered a call four years prior from a man claiming to be Joseph McStay. He wanted to completely delete his account and all information associated with it. San Bernardino County Department head, Dan Hank, said the phone used to call The customer service line had belonged to none other than Charles Merritt.
1: He was writing checks his ass can't cash.
2: That's the thing. He essentially was writing checks and from what I understood, he actually was able to cash them. I'm not sure. I think he ended up making it out to himself from Joseph McStay's account because he wasn't able to delete Mixed account and all of the information, but he was able to serve his gambling addiction for at least a year or so. That's kind of what I understood from it. On June 10th, 2019, the county jury found him guilty on all four counts. And if y'all have been following the dates, this is five years after the initial court proceeding after he was found guilty. And that's because between the time that he was found guilty and about 2016, 2017, he essentially fired five different attorneys because he just believes that all of them are just terrible.
0: Okay. But I have a question because they have to convict based off of a reasonable doubt. Like there can't be any doubt. I I guess my question is, do you have any evidence or what the police had for evidence, do you know? Because they had to have had quite a bit more, I feel like. Well, that's the
2: thing. So they essentially they had merit to where he had A called the customer service representative. They had it like on his they were able to track the phone call. And B that he was servicing all of this money out of the McStay's account. And therefore it was a, what's the word I'm looking for? Motive? Yeah. Yeah. It was motive enough for him to be convicted.
0: I still feel like they would, most juries would want more, but maybe that's just me. I don't know.
2: When I kind of looked at this case, I honestly thought the same thing. Essentially it had been going on for literally nine years, and they found the bodies six years prior. I think that at this point, everybody just kind of wanted the case to be closed. That's like really like a sad, it kind of just came to this, but after nine years, they had no other evidence, nothing ever pointed to anybody else. The bodies that were found that were identified as the mixed days were also very, very close to Cucamonga, which were which was his hometown.
1: You said that they found his uh, DNA in their car, though, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I know that may that may be evidence, but at the same time, if they were as close as what you're saying they were, I'm pretty sure he's been in their car before, so I don't, I wouldn't even call that evidence exactly.
2: Honestly, no information points to whether they were as close as he says or if they weren't, because really, the only word that we have is chase Merritt's. I really couldn't tell you either way. It's just kind of a his word against theirs, you know, situation.
0: Okay, interesting.
2: On January 21st, 2020, Charles Chase Merritt was sentenced to life in prison for the death of Joseph McStay but execution for killing Summer and the two boys. The San Diego Union Tribune, author Terry Figueroa, something. Reports, moments before learning his date, Merritt, 62, tearfully told the judge he was innocent. They also report him saying, I don't deserve this. I did not do this. As God is my witness, I will be back here and prove to everyone that this is true.
1: Did it say why they gave him two like different sentences? Like why he got, what was it, life for Joseph and then the Death penalty for the other three,
2: yeah, so essentially he was being convicted of four separate counts of mm-hmm. murder, mm-hmm. the two sons, the mother and the father. He was found guilty of all four counts, but I think that in the state of California, it's the laws are a little bit different, whereas if you like kill a child, it would be seen as a higher crime than if you were to kill a man,
1: for instance.
0: Also, I don't know what I was gonna say, never mind. That train left the station real quick.
1: You're having a good day today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, sorry. Go on Brie. We're talking about you, not me.
2: Actually that's the end. Oh. That's really all I could find. Um he ended up getting execution and that's really all I could find.
0: Do you know if he's still on death row or if he has been executed?
2: Let me, let
0: me look. I feel like I need to be like singing a song right now, like a weight <laughs> song. But I am not. I'm not gonna hurt your guys' ears with that. I'm also not drunk enough for that. So
1: just keep swigging because your story's next. You're telling me to chug, chug, chug. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's not.
2: Like... <laughs> it looks like he is currently still on death row. I know that from some other cases that I've kind of. Briefed over, I don't know what it is, but death row, you're essentially on it for like a pretty long time. I mean, it's been one and a half years since he was sentenced to execution.
0: It's probably to give them time to appeal the case and prove their in- innocence because they do have that option to appeal.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. But I know what you're saying, it usually does take a long time for them, like, a, a lot of people are on death row for a long time.
0: Yeah, Uh
2: that's kind of where I wanted to leave off as like, is he guilty or is he innocent? You never know.
0: That's hard because I don't know what evidence they proved like they showed to the jury. I don't know what else they had. And
2: and that wasn't really public information. I just kind of went off of like news stories and all of that jazz. Really, all I could find was just that there was DNA in the McStay's car. Of his, and there was also this fueling to his accounts to have Have the motive between fifteen thousand and twenty one thousand dollars. Yeah, when you think about it, that's a pretty big motive because Shin, the reporter, said that you know McStay was flourishing because he was kind of the businessman behind everything, and Mm -hmm. McStay just kind of did the handiwork. Later, he kind of said to the police, like. Oh yeah, we had to just talk everything business, you know, everything money. It kind of in a way points to the money thing, but I'm sure that there was a lot more information in the court hearing. Yeah, as well.
1: Yeah, just based on what we have I I don't I wouldn't be comfortable <laughs> Saying whether this man is guilty or not like I, I mean to be yeah. honest I kind of feel bad for him I hope they had more more evidence or something.
0: Just thinking about the minimal that we have just with it being you know a lot of things are just classified and that's totally fine mm-hmm. but the minimal that we do have public facing I don't think I would ever say oh yeah you need you're guilty and we're gonna send him mm-hmm. to death.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah I agree. Look who I caught though sorry change of subject. <laughs> She looks thrilled. (laughs) She's trying to escape. It's fine. She is purring. Well, stay with me a little bit. Stop it. My cat does that too. Oh. He'll like like tries Yeah, he'll like try to
2: get away, but he'll also purr at the same
0: time. (laughs) She hates the love, but loves the love. She's torn, but she showed up and I'm very excited.
1: Before loving on Tilly this morning, uh James got consent. And I deeply appreciate that on behalf of my cat. (laughs) Did he get consent? Because she's weird. Like, if you try to pet her and you don't let her sniff your hand first, she'll do that cat like thing where she just dodges all of your pets. So -hmm. you have to let her sniff you first, and then you can pick her up or pet her.
0: Um, My cat just doesn't like being picked up or held, but she will sit on my lap when she's demanding love. The (laughs) second I try to move, even like, Half an inch for my comfort purposes, she will be like, Get the fuck out of my life, and she'll run away, and I won't see her for hours. That was a good one. I liked it. I mean, I didn't like it, but I liked it. Yeah, are you ready to I'm, tell I'm us kind of a story?
2: I liked it, but I didn't like it.
0: Oh, I don't know if you guys are ready for my story,
2: <laughs> girl. Um, I am ready. Mm-hmm. Jack's mom just found like this crazy hotel thing in Missouri, which is really only like an hour drive out from where i live apparently you can go on like ghost tours and stuff and like stay the night there i'm probably gonna do it for his birthday although honestly it would be for me more than it would be for him (laughs) it's (laughs) way more for me
0: (laughs) it's a gift that keeps giving okay yes exactly
2: hey sometimes sometimes you need to do something for yourself on your significant other's birthday you know just, just some me time. And, I agree and with that. You can come along too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, I the story I wanted to do, I couldn't find any information on. So that's there's that. I do have a ghost story for you guys today. It's kind of a crazy story. We are going to be talking about the Smurl hauntings or the Smurl poltergeist. Have you guys heard about this at all?
1: No. no. Smurl. Can you spell that?
0: It's like Smurf, but with an L instead of an F. S-M-U-R-L. Smurl. Smurl. Okay. That's the family's name. Because you're going to hear about them today. (laughs) I'm going to let you guys know, true to form, I found a book about it yesterday and I read it this morning. So
2: I cannot read that fast, dude. I don't know how you do that, but I legit, it will take me two minutes to read one single chapter page.
0: I do what's called skip reading. I read keywords in the paragraph and I don't read every single word. Mm, oh no,
1: I cannot survive like that.
2: You need to teach me how to do that.
1: I don't know if I can, te- I don't know how I do it. I read pretty quickly, luckily. I guess okay. I speed read.
2: So you should read through a paragraph like how you would like skip read, right? And then you should send me a picture of that paragraph and just like. Tell me all of the words that you read so that I can like go in and I can be like, oh, okay, circle this word. Oh, circle this word. Okay, circle this word.
0: Times where I have, to... can you stop? <laughs> I know that's a lot of stuff on your part, but <laughs> can you go that way, please?
2: Yes.
0: I don't want to talk to you. We're recording. Go away. Oh, oh be nice to him. No, oh, nice, nice to him. Hearts. Yeah. I don't have to be nice. I love to him. my
2: sweetheart.
0: I love him, too, but I don't have to be nice to him. He's mean to me. Yeah. I'm mean. And that's how our relationship works, and we work that mm-hmm. way. Yeah,
2: Jack and I don't work that way. I'm the most sensitive person in the world, and so mm-hmm. he's literally become, like, more sensitive than he was previously. So we're very, oh. like, sweet and nice and loving and, like.
0: Oh, I just go, you're being an asshole. You owe me a swig. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no our
0: relationship is not like that whatsoever
1: no me and james cuss each other out on the regular and i just cackle it's hilarious yeah, it me and cody we just giggle about us cussing each other out mm-hmm. how to make a love work or how to make a marriage work by amanda and bryce you just cuss him out until how you to both make giggle. a
2: long-term relationship work with <laughs> the love of your life by Verona Porter. <laughs> i love that <laughs> okay <laughs> I love it. okay yeah, let's go I love into the story
0: be ready. Smurl poltergeist so this is actually based off of the smurl family's experience they have written a book called the haunted one family's nightmare by ed and lorraine warren do you guys know who ed and lorraine warren are yes they sure
2: do they are hands down the most popular people to investigate ghost slash paranormal crimes yes yeah pretty much yes
0: there is also a film adaptation of the smurls experience called the haunted it's a 1991 film i made cody hunt it down and we watched it last night a poltergeist i do want to define what a poltergeist is it is a ghost or other supernatural being supposedly responsible for physical attacks or disturbances such as loud noises and object objects being thrown around. So that is a poltergeist. That's what we're talking about.
2: I do have a quick question. Yes. For a poltergeist, would it involve loud noises such as like running upstairs or would it involve loud noises such as like banging things onto the floor? All of the above. Um,
0: A poltergeist would typically be more active than a typical ghost. If I'm understanding it correct, it's, It's much more involved than just a normal ghosty. Angrier too, right? Yes. Yes. More demonic. How I understood it. So this story is, we are going to focus on Jack and Janet Smurl. Their four daughters and Jack's parents, Mary and John Smurl. Okay. I know that was a lot of names. I did not get all of the daughters' names because on different websites, they had different names. And I don't know which was correct. So (laughs) we moved on with that. So it's just a daughter at this point. Jack and Janet met at a Christmas party in 1967. They actually worked at the same company, but had not met. And they met at this Christmas party in 1967. They did the whole fell in love. They read Brianna's book and they got married in December of 1968. (laughs) Your book. Yeah. What we just (laughs) created two minutes ago. (laughs) Jack and Janet, they were hard workers. They were deeply religious they were just like an all-around good couple in 1973 jack and janet moved into a duplex duplex jesus christ i'm so sorry on chase street with their two girls that were born at the time in west Pitson, pennsylvania with john and mary which are jack's parents now on the duplex you have on one half of the du- duplex is Jack and Janet, and the other part of the duplex are John and Mary. They were really just the first, like, the very typical middle class area, or it. I'm so sorry, guys.
1: It this is was...
0: wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I should have stopped drinking a long time ago. I'm sorry. Okay. <clears throat> Game face is on. This West Piston area, Chase Street, it was just the typical middle class neighborhood. That is what I was trying to say. During their first 18 months living there, things were really great for the Smurl family. Um, Janet was actually able to become a stay-at-home mom. Jack had gotten promotion and with promotions comes raises. Janet had also established the Lioness Club and was first or one of the first presidents of the Lioness Club. Jana also helped bring a chapter of students against drunk driving to co- to the community. All around, they were active in the community, and they were fairly well-liked. So they were just like that very ordinary, typical family. While in the home, they did have a set of twins, and that brings their daughter count up to four. So that's where the other two come in. They do some renovations just to make the home livable, but even when they start those renovations, some weird things kind of start happening Things such as when they would be working on something, they'd put a tool down, and when they turned to grab that tool, it wouldn't be where they thought they put it, and it'd be in a way different spot. That's a common thing you'll see, or they see throughout their entire time in this house. So that was just very typical of them. And then in 1974, about 18 months after they moved in, things began to start slowly happening Um, They started seeing some more things like watermarks where they had originally painted over them were now showing through their their new paint. Just really weird things. And they had also purchased a red rug. And after they had laid the rug, everything was good to go. They actually found like an oil type stain on it. They were able to clean the stain out. But within days that stain would return and they just did this over and over until they finally just replaced that carpet because they couldn't get that oil stain or whatever that stain was to go away. They also found on things that they had renovated, um, they would find like big scratch marks and gouges on it. So one example they had is they had renovated a bathroom and they had put it like a new vanity and sink and basin and all that fun stuff in. And the next day when they looked at the basin, there were just these deep scratches in it. And so they're like, well what the heck is going on? They also had issues with their pipes leaking after they had fixed them. So a lot of the things that should have been like a 10 minute fix type thing, they were taking hours or days or just not letting it be fixed. They also started having electronics go up in flames. And I know this is the 70s. So they don't have a ton of electronics like we do. But a lot of them were like appliances that weren't plugged in would just go up in flames. They had a TV set go up in flames, that type of stuff. It was really just quite bizarre.
2: Was it only the appliances that weren't plugged in or was it the appliances nope. that were plugged nope.
0: in? Both. It was both. In the movie adaptation, I think it actually stated that they had to replace the electrical wiring on three different occasions. Uh again, it's a movie adaptation. I don't know how accurate that is, but according yeah. to them, it's fairly accurate based off of what happened.
2: Okay. Good to
0: know. they start seeing these ha- things happen and over time things very much escalate the daughter one of the daughters begins seeing floating figures in her room like hovering over her one of their daughters just says she sees these things they start hearing drawers open and close they hear footsteps radios would play when they were not
1: plugged in no um, they would hear- get out <laughs> Mm-mm. that's where i draw the line that's fucking creepy You don't want the radio just going off? No, because I imagine it's playing some old, like, 20s jazz in the 70s. I doubt it. Well, That's what's going on in my head, and it's not fun.
2: What I imagine is if, like, the radio starts playing, it just plays that song that literally plays over and over and over again in season two, Asylum, of the American Horror Story series. Y'all know what I'm no. saying? Like the.
1: Oh, how does it go?
2: oh, you should totally watch them. They are so good. <laughs> Why can't I think of it? I literally have it at the tip of my tongue, the tone to it. It's like I don't know. It's it's just just imagine like this creepy, eerie tone that isn't creepy at first, but then the more and more it plays, it just gets creepier and creepier and creepier. Mm -hmm. Like it's essentially a piano orchestra. I can't, I can't remember what exactly plays it, but it, it's just creepy. Mm.
0: Yeah. I uh, just had the realization that I did it again. I have pictures. (laughs) If You guys want to go to the drive? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, It's It's under my folder under Smurl Haunting, and you guys can look at the first picture which is just the Smurl family. It's nothing too crazy. What they like? Oh, they look cute.
1: They look so angry.
2: No, I mean, it looks like they're kind of doing like, I mean, they're not, it kind of looks like a professional portrait, if anything. They're not, I mean, they're not really smiling in the photo, but it looks like they just have, you know, their natural kind of face. So it's not like yeah. they're posing for the photo, but mm-hmm. they are
0: in the sense of their body posture.
1: Do we know which one's the mom?
0: Yeah, which one is the mom? Yeah, one? she's the one in the back next to the dad.
1: With the glasses?
0: Let me pull up the picture cuz I don't remember. That's why are you asking me difficult questions. Yes, with the
1: glasses. Cuz she looks very young. She does. Well, I mean,
0: she looks like
2: she looks like she could have two kids. She looks mm-hmm. like 30. Yeah. Is she what looks I would like say. one of the girls.
0: Yeah. No, that's that would be her.
2: She does. The girls look like they're 20, easily.
0: I also have another picture that you guys can go look at, which is the second picture labeled house. And that's the the duplex they moved into. Okay. So just so you guys can get a visual. All right, so radios would play when not plugged in. Um, Toilets Mm. would flush on their own. And they began getting these horrible stenches throughout the house, which they don't really describe them. They just say it's a terrible odor. And I feel like that's all I need. That's all I need with that. And they also started getting the feeling of being touched. And with all of that combined, by 1977, the Smurl family had kind of just, they acknowledged, okay, we have a spooky presence in our house. At this point, it obviously wasn't enough for them to really say anything. But in 1983, there's a report that Mary, the mother-in-law, heard Janet and Jack arguing and having this vulgar verbal altercation now they're deeply religious and that's gonna just play throughout the entire story like their religion is very important to them so having this vulgar vulgar verbal altercation was just very very upsetting to the mother-in-law to marry well the thing with that is is that janet and jack denied that that altercation ever happened they said they never had that ar- argument there was never a verbal spat like that So they're not sure what Mary heard. And then Janet actually began hearing voices call her name. And they sounded like family members. So she'd hear someone call Janet and she'd be like, what? What do you want? And no one was calling her. So it's just one of those really weird things where it's mimicking. Whatever she's hearing is mimicking her family's voices. That is creepy. Yeah and eventually this all adds up and Janet ends up seeing a black mass form in front of her and it like moves through her house and goes through the wall of the duplex into her in-laws into Mary and John's part of the house and of course Janet understandably is like what in the world did I just see and she runs over to go see what Mary saw or to talk to Mary about it because she's trying to validate what she's seeing and all of this stuff because she, she feels like she's going crazy. Mary actually tells her she saw the exact same mass literally right after Janet saw it. So Mary, the mother in- law of Janet, is like, "Oh no, I, I saw this." And they tell the spouses later that night and they're trying to figure out what to do. So the activity keeps escalating towards the family. Um, one of the daughters is actually thrown down the stairs. Their family dog is thrown against walls and attacked on several different occasions. Janet is dragged violently out of bed. A ceiling fan is torn out of a ceiling, nearly hitting one of the twins. Janet was levitated out of bed and the rapping and tapping on the walls continue as well as everything else I've already stated. So all the radio stuff, the feeling of being touched, all this weird stuff is continuing for this family.
1: And leaving the damn house and possibly set it in, setting it on fire was never on the table? Um
0: i mean they talked about it but there's issues with that
1: <laughs> so
0: yeah, we'll get there so the Smurl family they do as much research as they can they're trying to figure out what's going on because they don't understand it they're not sure what's happening and they do they go to li- uh, janet goes to the library she's reading all these books trying to find information and they even try to get the church's help because they're now convinced that their their house is haunted which i mean I can't blame them. What use at this point? I'm
2: just curious. 30, 83. 83. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: And they moved in in 73.
2: Okay. So I feel like there really isn't a lot of information about hauntings in 83.
0: Mm-mm. No. Um, the no. thing with it is that they, they did have very limited information. But for those first 10-ish years, it hadn't escalated to a point where they were scared from what I understood. Yes, it was annoying. And yes, it was frustrating. But it finally just escalated in 83 to a point where they're like, we've got to figure something out. So this is all in the year of 83, this will span from 1983 to I think 86. I have it somewhere in my notes. I don't know where that in my notes. It's somewhere. Okay. Here. Okay, just making sure. It really escalates in the final years of all of this thing. So I mean, they lived with it for about ten years before it got to a point that it was uncontrollable. They okay. did reach out to the church, but the issue is, is the church's guidelines at that time. There really wasn't anything that the church could do. They did blessings on the house, and the blessings seemed to work for a couple hours up to a couple days, but then everything would return anyways. In 1986 the Smurls finally reach out to Ed and Lorraine Warren for help. Now, we already talked a little bit about who Ed and Lorraine Warren are. I still have a note in here. Um, They are paranormal investigators that were very prominent in the paranormal scene. They are responsible for the Amityville Horror House or the inspiration for the Amityville Horror House as well as The Conjuring. So a lot of that's based off of things that they have seen and dealt with and that type of stuff. Ed and Lorraine, they come over and they uncover that there are four different spirits in the Smurls' house. The first is an elderly woman that is harmless, as far as they can tell. She's fine. The second is a potentially violent young woman. They just said potentially. That could mean that she is violent or she's not violent. They just, they couldn't clarify if she meant ill will towards the family. The third is a mustached man with the potential to cause harm. And later on, someone else, some, like a different medium, reveals that this man had beat his wife nearby the property in life. His wife ended up in a different relationship and he caught this wife with her lover. And he beat the lover so severely that he killed him and then he strangled his wife. Now, the reason he's potentially violent is because it's said that Janet looked like his wife. Jack was, in his eyes, the lover.
1: He sounds lovely.
0: Yeah, so he's a he lovely spirit. He sounds very pleasant.
1: <laughs> yes. So that's the
0: third spirit. And the fourth one is a demon that that's is cool. using the other three spirits for its will, for its pleasures.
2: I was going to say, I feel like, in a way, a demon would most likely use, like, the other spirits as well in the house to just kind of, like, lay off of them in a way so that they can taunt the because they're already be able to use that to taunt the people who are alive. I mean demons
0: can do a lot of stuff. I don't, I don't underestimate demons, okay? I honestly don't know what demons can do, but I imagine it's a lot. Well, shit keeps getting worse from there. Um and it keeps getting more violent. Janet ends up being slapped. Jack had bite marks. Ed Warren during an investigation was actually choked by either the demon or one of the spirits. And then do you guys know what an incubus and a succubus are?
1: Yes. They're the sexy demons. Wouldn't call them sexy, but they
0: are. (laughs) I was going to
2: say I've heard of them, but to be honest, I don't really know exactly what they are.
0: I'm not going to go into great detail just because one of these days I will do research just on the incubus and succubus and do my own thing on that one one of you guys will something will happen with it but basically an incubus and a succubus to my understanding they're the same being but a succubus is a female and an incubus is a male and they basically they're entities that can come in and sexually assault and rape people
1: yes while they're sleeping
0: yes so janet is actually sexually assaulted by the incubus and Jack is reportedly raped by the succubus. It's really getting crazy for them here.
2: I guess, are they considered the demon? I have no idea. How did Lorraine, I, I just say Lorraine because I know that Lorraine is the medium and the one who kind of feels out spirits. Did she not feel out the incubus and the succubus?
0: Not to my knowledge. I don't know for sure that was never clarified jack is reportedly raped and then they finally because after all of this they're still really very religious people they're still very good people and this whole thing is taking a strain on the whole family because a lot of times this is keeping them up at night because there's just rapping on the walls all night or they're being attacked and thrown downstairs or Um, One of the daughters actually reports being pushed out of her bunk bed and she was on the top bunk. So just all these things are happening and the family's not sleeping well. They all feel like they're going insane. And they do go to the church, like I said. But the church really, they're not, either they're not willing to help or the people that are willing to help have their hands tied based off of church policies. doesn't really clarify that because I don't think the Smurls ever got that clarification. But they do finally find, with the help of Ed and Lorraine, Someone to do an exorcism. It's not from their church. It's from a different church. This first exorcism fails. And even worse, the attacks keep getting worse from there. Um, The exorcism basically just really pissed off the demon. And he was like, all right, let's go for it. And after their first failed exorcism, their oldest daughter is attacked by the incubus while in the shower. And I think she was about 16 at this time. Oh, no. One of the twins gets a mysterious illness that hospitalizes her temporarily. And then Janet and Mary have bites and slashes on their arms. So things are just escalating from here. There is a second exorcism attempt and it also fails. And after that, again, it just starts getting crazier and crazier for them. And the Smurls, they did talk about moving. But they discovered on camping trips that the entity actually follows them. So there were several camping trips that they went on. They would see things, beds would shake, things would happen and they just knew that it was still there with them. In the book it actually talks about one camping trip that they attempted to go on where the house was empty cuz they were really hoping they could just move. But the other part of this is they had spent so much money on this house. They weren't really in a position where they could just up and move anyways. They did this camping trip and it just was a fail as far as they were concerned, because it it went with them. Um, During one of their camping trips, neighbors actually heard screaming coming from the Smurl household. But these neighbors also knew the Smurls were out camping, and so they were very confused and concerned about the screaming, and they really said it sounded like someone was being murdered in the house. And it was really just quite crazy for the neighbors. After That the neighbors actually kind of started having their own experiences, much like what the Smurls were having as well.
2: So it's almost as if something like multiplied, like the whatever was haunting them literally multiplied.
0: I don't think it's multiplying. I think it's just getting stronger. And they actually talked about one of the reasons it could be getting stronger is because the girls... The two oldest girls were going through puberty because they're emotional and they're going through all these changes and that could actually feed a demon and these spirits additional energy and whatever. After years of the torment, the Smurf, Smurf, I'm sorry. The Smurl (laughs) family finally goes public. Or when they try going public, things happen. This demon does not want them going public. On Jack and Janet's way to their first sort of public appearance where they were anonymous they were attacked by the demon and then the attacks got worse after they went public with that one and then they went public with their identities um later on again it, this demon did not like that they went public with it now some people believed them and some people didn't that's to be expected i was actually surprised at what they said um janet and jack reported that on tv one night They were talking about their case and or about their story and the news had taken a poll and 75% of people actually believed the Smurl family.
1: Oh, wow. That's a huge
0: percentage. Mm -hmm. I want to say a lot of it is probably attributed to the fact that a lot of neighbors were seeing things and they felt all these different things. And so if they were really faking it, that was a really big lie. And that was a lot of people in on it. So... Just a really big percentage. And again, after they go public, the attacks just really get worse. And Janet is actually thrown against walls. And Jack is attacked by the succubus a second time. So he can't catch a break. Um, And on top of all of the going-ons in their house, they now have people on their lawn. And they have people, really just terrible people and good people, just all day. They've just got so much going on because they've got the haunting. Plus, they've got people that are like throwing beer bottles through their window or just harassing them because they don't believe them. But then on the flip side, they had those people that were like, we're praying for you or, you know, that type of stuff. Um, And a lot of people actually said that it wasn't real because they were trying to get a book deal and this video deal or blah, blah, blah. But again, I struggle to see that's the only reason. First of all, because since it's all been resolved, which we haven't gotten to, they haven't been in really in the media at all. They would have had to have their neighbors lie about it. And I don't see how that many people would lie about it. But that's just me. So with all the media coverage they were getting, the church finally gets involved. They do their own investigation and they send someone out to investigate. But nothing happens when that person's at their house. So now on top of them having all these crazy things and already feeling crazy because they have all this stuff going on, when a church official is there, nothing's happening. And it's like, this damn demon is playing us. The church really doesn't do anything yet because they have no evidence and the attacks continue and they have a third exorcism. This third exorcism was a mass exorcism. And how I understood it is they had the priest go in and do their exorcism, read their rites, blah, blah, blah. And then they had a bunch of people come in and do prayers with, like, candles that were sacred. I don't really know how it works. But it was was like a step up from a normal exorcism, how I understood it. And the Smurls gained their freedom. But only for three months. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I like
1: to really tease you. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was seriously thinking like, "Hell yeah, these people came together and got rid of this son of a bitch." No. For 3 months. He just took a nap. He he took a break, yeah.
0: And so for 3 months they're like, "Oh, it's great. Things are great again." And right before Christmas, the attacks begin again and the Smurls are just they're just so sick of it and they don't know what to do. The Smurls do finally end up moving. But it does follow them to their new home. All the same things are happening in their new home. All the crazy things are happening. But they do perform a fourth and final exorcism performed by the church. And that does actually get rid of the demon on that one. So that is the story of the Smurls. Or as I think I called them several times, the Smurfs.
1: (laughs) So there you have it. Good God. Those poor fucking people. hmm
2: Crazy to me that, I mean, after four exorcisms, it was finally just, I don't want to say released, but the demon finally left mm-hmm. them. That's not so, so crazy to me. Name.
0: It's not so crazy now that I've seen a few things about exorcisms. And a lot of times exorcisms are not a one and done. Um, there is... show i'm gonna have to look it up and send it to you guys but it talks about exorcisms in death death death. god i'm so sorry (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) and it talks about a lot of times people need like a, a weekly or a monthly exorcism for years because they're just a lot of times it's more than one demon in there or something like that or it's stronger than what they expected so they do take time on occasion to me having four now that I know a little bit more about exorcisms doesn't really seem that crazy to me cuz they're really not a one and done type thing all the time.
1: Yeah, from my understanding, removing a demon is kind of like removing a tattoo. You you got to sometimes you got to have multiple sessions mm-hmm. to really get rid of it.
2: Okay. That makes sense. And what I mean at the end of the day if you remove a tattoo, it's it will never be completely 100% gone. Is that the same for humans? I mean, just in your analogy, that's just kind of what, like,
0: I'm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just the scars and everything that happened to them is enough for it to never be gone. I mean, yeah, right now they're, as far as I could tell, they're living happy, carefree lives. But maybe they still have ghostly things happen. I don't know.
1: Yeah, when you go through something like that, I imagine if I just, if someone's in the kitchen and I don't know it and I hear something fall, I'm going to be like, fuck, call Ed and Lorraine again get the warrants over here get the warrants yes. over
0: here <laughs> so i mean just crazy crazy things and this happened over the course of 13 years yeah so, i was I mean. gonna
2: say even like the bite marks and just like the the sexual stuff the sexual assaults yeah i mean that would literally stay with you for so many years mm-hmm.
1: well imagine the girls too like they grew up with that shit
2: i honestly so bad for them.
0: The girls were attacked too, though. That's the the scary thing is it wasn't leaving their daughters alone. Like they were involved, and that's just insane because they're just little kids. Mm-hmm. And even the dog, I was pissed about the dog. I'm like, you motherfucker, you leave the damn dog
1: alone. To me, that was that was that's when I was like, uh, we gotta go. Like we gotta go. Sorry, sorry, future daughter. Okay, I'm sure I will feel differently once she's here. But, like, okay, you're scratching us. You're knocking shit off the counters. Okay, you threw my dog against the wall. We gotta fucking go.
2: Honestly, I don't know if y'all saw my face at that point. But, like, I was fucking heartbroken.
0: The picture I sent you guys on the drive is actually just cropped. But the dog is in the picture. And I was gonna say, the reason for their faces in that picture is because they had probably taken that picture after having been tormented for 13 years. I mean... They're and not thrilled. Twenty
2: five percent of people didn't believe them, straight
0: up. Yeah, but seventy five percent did, and I thought that was pretty crazy. And that's their reports. I I don't know. And I mean, just every time, and they knew after each exorcism the activity would probably get worse because Ed and Lorraine were like, mm, "Be prepared, because if it doesn't work, he's going to get worse.
1: Going to get worse. So can we back up one more time? What kind of dog was it? A German Shepherd. <gasps> oh. I'm not saying, like, I love one dog more than the next, but I am saying I wouldn't have cared as much had it been a Chihuahua or something angry. <laughs> Here, I'm going to send you a picture of it. Hold on.
2: One of my acquaintances, I won't say the name, but one of my acquaintances just recently, it must have been, like, two years ago or something like that, some, like, pretty close to this year, just got, like... A German Shepherd little puppy, and he's been like raising it. And it's the cutest thing in the world because he'll just post on his Snapchat story just like pictures of it and stuff. And it's so adorable.
0: Oh, is that the dog? Yeah, in the middle is the dog.
1: Oh, he's pretty. He's a pretty boy. It
0: just killed me the whole thing because I was like, poor baby, the poor puppy. And I feel bad for the girls too, but also they can sass back.
1: Right? like what did the dog do he's a good boy that's all i
0: know Uh, she i don't know what the dog i do know what the dog's name is i just can't think of it but i mean it's just crazy to think that this demon used these other ghosts to really mess with them and really um they thought the end goal of the demon was possession or death they were they weren't sure but it very much felt like it could be one or the other like, make them go insane enough so you can possess them, or make them go insane enough so that you can kill them.
1: Which, honestly, respect to them for putting up with that shit for 13 years. Mm-hmm.
0: 13 years, and like I said earlier, really a, a big portion was their faith. I mean, they always had holy water. Ed and Lorraine very much gave them holy water. They had prayers that they would say. Like, they, they knew And a lot of times the activity would stop immediately after they used holy water and stuff. But, I mean, it would always start right back up not long after. So, just crazy, crazy stuff.
1: Were they Catholic? Did you ever say? Yes, they were Catholic. Okay, I thought so because, I don't know, anytime I've ever heard of, like, possessions and exorcisms, Catholics are the ones that, like, know what the fuck to do. Oh, they knew. (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs)
0: And it's it just crazy to me. And a lot of times, because, like, with Janet being torn out of bed, well, Jack was right there. They slept in the same bed. This wasn't, you know, where they were sleeping in separate rooms or whatever. And a lot of times during their experiences, the other was paralyzed or in a deep psychic trance that they couldn't wake up from on their own. So, like, when Jack was attacked by the succubus twice, Janet... I always want to say Jill, Jack and Jill went up the hill,
1: but it's Janet. Jack and Janet lived in hell. They did live in hell, but
0: (laughs) she was in a psychic trance each time he was attacked by the succubus.
1: Well, it was
0: either the sleep paralysis or a psychic trance, which meant that the loved one didn't know what was going on until afterwards. Mm -hmm. So for like Jack's attacks, Janet had no idea until when she was finally came out of the psychic trance, he had been attacked. I'm calling it a psychic trance. That might not be right, but whatever it was, the demon, the thing, kept Janet asleep. That's
1: fucking creepy. I don't like that. Yeah, it. It
2: is that's really creepy? I mean, <laughs> that was I'm a glad good story. They
0: got it all situated. Yeah,
1: that was a really good story. I really like that one.
0: That's yeah. the small family. What do you guys think? Do you think they're telling the truth? Do you think they're lying? Do you think it was for publicity?
2: I definitely think it was. They were telling the truth because even after they moved, they literally just Mm -hmm. kept going on with the exorcisms because it kept following them. And I mean, in a way, that's what demons do is they attach to people and not to homes or to environments
0: or whatever. Not necessarily. Demons can attach to whatever they want. Well, whatever they can. So I don't. My thing is, I think part of it's true. And then I think part of it could be exaggerated. But I don't. I'm not discounting what they had or discrediting. I'm just saying, is all of it true? I don't know. Is part of it true? I definitely think so.
1: Yeah, I believe him.
0: I believe him at the end of the day. There you
2: have it. Jack just brought the cat in, and I just turned around. I just heard the door open. I turned around. It was just him bringing the cat in, and he put it on my bed. Like my bed is like literally right here. Oh my. <laughs>
0: scared the shit out of me i'm so sorry to interrupt
1: <laughs> all right
0: well thank you everyone for watching you can follow us on instagram and twitter twi- twatter. Twatter, you guys. <laughs> twitter 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 sorry i'm struggling uh, so instagram and twitter at hell on hills podcast You can also email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Go ahead and email us story suggestions or your personal stories. We'd love to hear them. We want to say thank you to James, Amanda's husband, for making our awesome intro music. Because it is a little bit of a bop right there. Thanks, James. Thanks. Thank you, Cody, I guess. Because he threw a bitch fit that he didn't get a thank you in the last one. I don't know. He throws a lot of bitch fits. (laughs) but thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you guys stay tuned and i'm sorry i have dog now entering my house this is real rough i'm so sorry
2: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening and we hope that y'all follow our instagram and twitter so that y'all can stay up to date on our current podcasts And we love y'all and we hope that y'all have a great rest of your day slash night whenever y'all feel like
1: listening.
0: Hey, like, review and
1: subscribe. Bye. Bye. Talk to you next week.